is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. That it is. Season 2, episode 58. But more importantly, number one in 2023. This is a big year for the Real Kipper and Born show. I'm, I'm counting on it. A huge year. And we are so glad you are all aboard. Sports at 590 The Fan. Our YouTube channel is back live and in color. Pod, uh, podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Plenty of choices. Plenty of choices. Consume where you prefer. We're available. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Derek Brandeo, Jen Rolnick, and our very own off of vacation. We don't get vacations, no. but apparently Sammy McKee does. <laughs> he's living a charmed life. So we're all buried up here. Yeah. And he's in shorts uh, tweeting 60-foot uh, putts. It wasn't 60-footer. Was what was it? I don't know, probably 30 feet. Well, down the hill, a bit of a slider. So, yeah, it was pretty good. Is that I, what your caddy told you? Yeah. The did caddy, you have a caddy? Yeah, we had to at the course. We did a whole timeshare thing to get the course for cheap and stuff. No. Right? Oh, yeah, we did. You had to sit through three hours no, of I was like, BS? It was like an hour and a half. It wasn't too bad. And how did you get out of there? You just eventually said no thanks? You said no. No, they, they were not that pushy, to be honest. Do you have, and you Do you even, like, remotely fake that you're interested just out of, like, they're giving you a round of golf. What? The most you can do is fake it. By the end of it, I was like, guys, that's a pretty good deal. <laughs> Don't you hear the commercials right now on how to get out of yes. timeshares? That's why we didn't do it. But no, it was good. It was a really good trip. Uh, can't believe I'm sitting here again. It just the, 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 two, the two weeks that we were kind of was it two weeks we were off or I was off at least? It just kind of went by in a, bla- in a, in a, in a flash. So that felt like a shot at us, the two weeks thing. was just a reminder of what? The bonus week that Sammy enjoyed. So, so jealous. Yeah, no, it was spectacular. I had a fall, boys. I had a fall. I fell down. Limping like tiger around yeah. uh, whatever yeah. it was, Torrey Pines? Yeah, I uh, I wiped out in Mexico. Not even, it was like 8.30 in the morning. Can't even blame tequila. I just crocs and wet steps, and I went down like a bag of potatoes, boys. It was bad. My leg's still not right. You know who showed up with the injury? Mike Fuda. We had Mike Fuda on yes. morphine. That's that's a, oh, that's a team player right there. I missed there. that. <laughs> so, so what time did you shut it down and when was the last tequila shot before okay. you slipped? Well, honestly, Great question. not even that. Like I was going to bed at 10 most nights. I'm more of a day guy. Days. I'm more of a day guy at all-inclusive. I'm not going to go to the, the club at the all-inclusive. Shut her down around 10. So, that was good. Well, we're, we're glad you're back because misery loves company here on the Real Kipper yeah. and Bourne Show. Yeah, absolutely. And we got a, a great couple of hours here because there's so much to get into. Craig Simpson, former NHLer, two-time Stanley Cup champion. He's teeing up tonight. Uh, Leafs and Blues will get his thoughts on a large schedule coming up for the Toronto Maple Leafs in January. Uh, mm-hmm. The goaltending situation, Morgan Riley, all of that. In the second hour, we'll also touch base with general manager of the St. Louis Blues, Doug Armstrong. He'll join us. From Halifax. Yeah, good get today. As he's, uh, and many general managers are soaking it all in on uh, on what they can see out of a guy like Connor Bedard. I think it's a little late for St. Louis to tank for Connor. <laughs> I think so, but yeah. There's, there's others that are, are certainly in the mix. Uh, but we'll get Doug Armstrong's thoughts on Bedard and the St. Louis Blues as they tee up uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight. Uh like many Canadians out there, I was watching Connor in Slovakia 
battle it out Ridiculous. to would go down to a a final uh, scenario of a three on three hockey and and watch a spectacular finish. But you know, before we get into that, okay. just life thrown right into our face last night from the moment that you think you're 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 part of a, a great moment with Connor Bedard, you switch mm-hmm. it over to the the football game between the uh Buffalo Bills and Cincinnati Bengals and uh we see one of the worst events imaginable in in pro sports. And yeah. of course it's not a hockey thing, but it is certainly uh a a reminder to all of us uh that uh whether it is a contact sport like football or hockey or even sometimes not such a contact sport that athletes out there put it all on the line every time they step out on a on a on, on a sheet of ice or or a battlefield like a professional football yeah we do have a a sense i think when you watch enough pro sports that you're watching people in a movie you know or that something is scripted or that it's you know not as dangerous as it is. And, you know, in my own life, I've dealt with some injuries and I've seen people with concussion struggle as they get older. You know, my dad has a whole bunch of NHL friends and, you know, you, you see how people are affected by the game, but it is crazy to see it directly translated, like the moment to the incident like that. Um, you know, it has happened in the NHL before. What did we have for who was so Chris Pronger took the shot in the chest, mm-hmm. Yuri Fisher, mm-hmm. um, Rich Peverly, Rich Peverly, mm-hmm. you know, all directly affected by, you know, heart stoppages essentially. Right. And, yeah. But you know, and Sammy, I, I know you were all over the, the Canada Slovakia game and to, to, to just go from that euphoria, uh, that, that great moment that we've been accustomed to seeing out of Canadian world juniors over the past 15, 20 years, just to go from from that moment to that the the uh, the Hamlin moment uh, mm-hmm. during the football game, it was just like, wow! I don't think I've ever experienced anything like that. Well, I was completely locked in on the. I hadn't even considered putting on the football game yet because it was the late third period of the Canada game into overtime of the Canada game, and then um, I'm just kind of like I'm in a bunch of uh, you know group chats with a bunch of different people and. They're saying, like, they're giving this guy in the Bills CPR in the field. I'm like, CPR? What yeah. What is happening? And then you see the horrifying, like, the clip got shown a little bit too much for my liking. I just, I saw the clip a lot. And the clip of the guy, you know, DeMar Hamlin, it's it's really, really hard to watch. And he just yeah. kind of falls down. It, it, it's horrible. But, yeah, like, like you said, it's just a real wake-up call. Because you're so locked in. Like, these guys just seem like superheroes. You seem like they can take whatever hit they can and... They can run whatever they want to do. They're not going to get hurt or nothing serious is going to happen to them. And then all of a sudden, this guy's getting stretched or getting an ambulance onto the field. It was horrible. It was an absolutely horrible situation. Yeah. DeMar Hamlin remains in critical condition. Last time I, I checked. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And no uh, update. We'll just, uh, our thoughts and prayers are, are with him, his family, and uh, the Buffalo Bills organization. Uh, in saying that, uh, Connor McDavid or Connor Bedard, basically, or basically the second coming of (laughs) Connor McDavid uh, does something that I don't think shocked a lot of people. If you followed the progress of this guy's uh, junior career out West, it's a joke, not a lot of surprise on the actual move that solidified a quarterfinal match 
yeah. with the U.S. Uh, tomorrow night. So Connor Bedard now has 21 points in five games in the World Junior Tournament. 21 points. Second best is uh, Logan Cooley, who has 11. So you got a 10-point lead, nearly double the second highest point total. And if you, I don't know how much that game you watched, Kipper, but the utter inevitability of that player in that game was unbelievable to watch. Every time he got the puck, it felt like the ice was literally yeah. downhill. Like it was just a flood towards the net, hard shots, great chances. Like it, it was a game that Slovakia had a chance at. Oh, they, they had able, more of a chance. Yeah. Like there's a real chance Canada was going to lose that game. Go ahead, Sammy, and I'll pipe in. Well, I, I was, I could not have had more respect for the way the Slovaks played that game. They were the more hanging around. They were the more aggressive team. They were they were harder on the puck. They were mixing it up. They were they were playing the more dirty style, old Canada style hockey than Canada was. Canada had the puck a lot more. Obviously, they're a lot more skilled. But they were mucking it up, cross checks, hits, like really playing physical. Canada should have lost. They're the you think re- so, eh? The oh, rest- yeah. It was that. Oh, oh no, so no, I didn't Canada watch the whole game. Canada yeah. should have lost, and Canada would have lost if it didn't go to a skills competition. If they would have remained five on five, over just the time, way it was tilted. Five on five hockey. I don't think Slovakia loses that game. Really. And, yeah, so this guy, <laughs> this Bedard fella, I mean, just stole the hockey game. Well, well don't say stole it, but again, took once, it over. Once you go to three-on-three three and, and, and you have far and away the, the most skilled hockey player in the world at his age, three-on-three mm-hmm. three takes it more room, more, more time, uh, more, all more touches. All of it. Like, yeah. it's almost a given that this guy was going to end the game on a three-on-three I mean, let's, can we just say, are you allowed to be the guy who says that it was pretty poorly defended? Am I allowed to say that, or are we still just doing the... the and can thing? I also be the guy to say that in a major junior hockey tournament, that going to three-on-three three in a do-or-die game is one of the most atrocious decisions of all time? Think just so? horrible. horrible. Like, let them play hockey. Why don't they just horrible. have overtime? Just 10, 10 or 20 that's minutes where, of 5 on 5 in a shootout. And and I'm, and, watching, I'm watching last night with, yeah. with my family, and like... My daughter's almost in tears watching Slovakia's response to losing. Oh, yeah, devastating. Think how big winning is for Slovakia. I don't know who the player was that got a, a watch. Oh, yeah. my God. That I kid. mean, he's he's going to look at that picture, and it's going to be a horrific reminder. His mascara is running. Just... Of, of how we, you know, we should have won. Right. Yeah. No, it's uh, that's a tough moment for they something that them. could have defined a lot of their, you know, their playing careers. Sammy, They're all going to be NHLers. You nailed it. They played the role of Canada, and can, the Canadian team h- held on. Like, some of the hits that I saw this Slovakia team, who's the defenseman that lost okay. his helmet and then lost his stick and wouldn't leave the ice? He was chasing the guy up the ice with no... What is going through his mind? That was Justin Hall throwing the puck well, down the what ice. A, what a horrific... Like, well, the thing do you I not like, know the rules? He started to go to the bench, too. Well, but what is he going to do? What is your plan when you get there? Other than take a penalty, what are you going to do? He's the Black Knight in uh, Monty Python. Just, just come back so, here, I'll bite your knees off. So I think I just... I could feel it early in that game. Like, right from the start. I know you didn't watch the full game, Borny. Yeah, I got the last so, couple periods. Slovaks are the first five shots of that game. They were really playing the body early in that game. They were hard on Canada. Canada got I think they got the first one. They tied it up. You could just feel the whole way that the recipe 
was there. Like, there's there's two ways these junior games go, where Canada's just an undeniable force. Yeah, it's 9-1. And then these weird things start to... They hit the post. How many times did Canada hit the post? Four or five times? Yeah, Bedard did big two minutes left or something. Big saves by the goalie. Like, all the recipes for a um, for an upset were there. And then the anti-recipe, I guess you would say. I don't know. The takeout. Um, old Connor, uh, Connor Bedard just denies him. But I, I don't think... I just love Canadian hockey phenoms. There's few things that get me more excited than when it's the next guy for Canada. Because, you know, it's like every every so often, you know, McDavid and then Crosby. Is he on him. that level with this Absolutely. guy where we're talking about McDavid Crosby Absolutely. level excitement? I, I don't know how you cannot think that uh, this guy has a, doesn't have a chance to be a, a, be one of a generational type of guy. Yeah. With everything that he's done, the numbers that he's produced and the way he's produced them. Mm-hmm. How do you not consider him a, a generational type of player? I mean, that shot is the type of shot you need to score against NHL goaltenders. I mean, that was his first deep goal, I think, was the OT winner. And, and you know, the I made fun of the defending on the goal, but the Slovakian defender sells out on the shot because he'd shot everything. You know, so you got to give him some credit. It's uh, what an ability to create. And he's got that cross body. Where he brings it in close. That's the the Matthews, right? It low blocker across the body. Yeah. And that was it. Adam Gagnon is that Gagnon? How do you say his last yeah. name? Guy. He goal, was so good too. He stoned. He stoned Bedard. Gaia? was that the... guy? I don't know. I, I'm listen. I'm no. Uh, I'm no linguist here. I'm not sure how to pronounce. It, but the kid was sick, and yeah. he made a bunch of really great saves, low blocker. So, yeah. uh, credit to him. So let me ask you this, boys. What's best for the league where this guy's where this guy goes? What's best for the NHL in terms of who gets Connor Bedard? If you look at the bottom of the standings, I'll read up from the bottom. Chicago, Anaheim, Columbus, San Jose, Arizona, Montreal, Philly. And then you're into like Vancouver, Florida, Nashville, St. Louis. Oof, not a lot of good options there. You know, I, I have a front runner for me, Philly. The league is better with a competitive Philadelphia Flyers team, as my friend Anthony Petrelli noted to me in a text, and I totally agree with that. The Chicago Blackhawks might be top of the list for the league, but Anaheim, Columbus, San Jose, Arizona, not seeing them a whole ton being out west. And I realize that's just us, but most of the hockey media is out east. Yeah, to me, it's a east coast team. What about uh, Montreal? <laughs> Kipper, you I want to I, yeah, I they might get two kicks I... at it with the with the Florida pick. What do you uh do you believe that uh the glass is half full or half empty when it comes to uh strong strong markets getting stronger or the belief that if right. you're gonna have thirty two teams, you need to spread it out. So in saying that would we not look at right now, out of 32 teams, the weakest link right now? Quickly. Anaheim. The weakest link? I, I say Arizona. Yeah, definitely. Oh, as a franchise. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. No brainer. Arizona. I thought you meant the worst yeah. team. That's my least in, favorite team in Anaheim. In what has been jammed down our throats for the past 20 years, yeah. an important market well, you sorry. You league. think it's good for the league if Bedard goes to play? Yeah, okay. I'm asking. Okay, and here is my answer. No, <laughs> I just I don't. I can't imagine it'd be so embarrassing for the NHL. So embarrassing to have this kid play in front of forty eight hundred people. Do you think? I, I 
More people but, go to his Pats games. But it, it would make then it would make right. Arizona a lot more relevant. It sure would. Yeah, I mean. There is the argument that, okay, they get the Tempe Arena. This guy sticks out a couple of years. I'm and sure he doesn't want to go. No. Why would you, right? Right. It's not my job to fix Batman's mess. Gary Batman. <laughs> Just good to see you, Derek. But, Welcome back. <laughs> How many times can we watch, you know, Boston and, and Pitt in an outdoor game while teams like no one cares about Arizona? And, yeah. Like Anaheim, and they're like I, almost, I believe the teams they're, who they're have, like Division Two NHL teams. Well, they're still however long they've been around. No winter classic so far for Arizona, Columbus. I want to say San Jose and Florida. Yeah, like not even a crack at one. And next year, who gets it? Seattle. Which I'm sure when you buy an NHL team, they're like, "Don't worry, we're going to get you a winter classic here." You know, you pay your six fifty, we'll pay you some back with the winter classic the very next year. Well, well two years later, I, I'm looking at the standings. If you're Vancouver, it's time to get sucking back. You need to drill some holes in the bottom of the boat yeah, and sink. They're they're too good to suck. They're too good. to go to sink that low. They're too good, and yeah, they're not but, good enough. But get bad in a hurry. Well, tell Bo Horvat to stop scoring and <laughs> trade him. Uh, right, trade him. Like get rid of like you're watching this. This kid's from North Vancouver. Grew up diehard Canucks fan. Loves the Canucks. Wants to go to the Canucks. This is McDavid and the Leafs all over again. But to to Kipper's point, like if you go down the list of Canucks players and I'm like, stop me when they get to a bad player and you go Pedersen, Horvat, Kuzmenko, Miller, Hughes, Mikheyev, Besser, Garland, Ekman, Larson, Shen, like there's good hockey players on that team. Trade them. <laughs> Trade them. And you, Be bad. and you committed over $8 million to JT Miller. Like how do you turn around and, and tell right. everybody – uh, now we're tanking Changed when you just gave, gave this guy a plus. It's just ever, a really bad look. Have you ever gone to the mall and bought something? And by the time you get home, you're like, why would I buy this shirt? This is an awful <laughs> shirt. Why did I think I liked that? I don't even like Ed Hardy. Yeah. <laughs> like how quick is Vancouver's buyer's remorse where they're like, he doesn't look good. He's minus 13. He's it's just a, a knee-jerk reaction because Bo Horvat didn't take your chin, your, your, your offer, your, your mm. low-ball offer. That's but, why. Yeah, you had the money set aside to buy something. You're like, we, we gotta, we're at the mall. We've got to buy something. So the horrifying thing here for Leaf fans is the chance of Montreal having two pretty high kicks at a, at a chance of Connor Bedard. Right, because they have their own pick, which is getting worse and worse by the, well, getting better and better by the day. They're getting worse and worse by the game, and Florida stinks, and they traded an unprotected 2023 first round pick for Ben Sherrod at the deadline last year. You know, I think Kipper was the first to really declare that team bad, bad. But I, I'm on board now. That Florida team's bad, bad. Like not even, not even like if oh they'll figure it out. If if that pick for Florida ends up being Bedard. For Montreal, that is like a fireable offense. Yes, I think so, you somebody's going down in Florida. You don't get to. You don't get to uh, hang that. No, I can't imagine how much money that costs an owner not getting to keep Connor Bedard. Were it to happen, that's just no person will be watching that that lottery ball closer than Bill Zito if that does happen. What's Florida's record here? At, Sixteen and eighteen. They're at a six percent chance now for the top pick. Yeah, they've they've got 16 wins in 38 games for the Panthers, who just won the President's 
trophy. Wild stuff. There you go. Okay, one last thought. Sammy, uh, USA and Canada, I assume that's for the championship. Yeah, the other, I think the other semi is Slovakia, Sweden. Or no, sorry, uh, Czech Republic, Sweden. Or Czechia. Sweden, is that correct? I think so, yeah. So, yeah, I, listen, Czechia beat Canada 5-2 in the first game. They played them pretty well. They, they handled Sweden pretty good on New Year's Eve, but I, I think the, the consensus would be that the team who wins the semis, I, there's nothing better than Canada-USA at any level of hockey. To me, that's the pinnacle. Yeah. Like, you can talk about Russia and Canada because of the, the old-school rivalry, and it's kind of a tough one to talk about these days, but USA versus Canada at any level, I will get fully behind and get extremely excited for. I hate losing to them the most by far, so it's a lot at stake. So, yeah, okay, never mind. Yep. I was just wondering about, well, fine, I'll say it because I'm, I'm going to come off looking like an idiot here. Where's Matthew Nyes? Why is Matthew Nyes... Is he too is, old? Why is he not in the World Juniors? Is he too old? I think he's too old. Yeah. It's probably simple as that, but yeah, I should have known that he's answer. He's 20 years old. He is he? 20 years old, yeah. yeah. It's too old. All right. There you go. Good talk. Answered question. All right. Okay, in about 25 minutes, we're going to have Craig Simpson join us, help us tee us up uh, Leafs and Blues. Uh, tonight, we're going back to Samsonov. Any surprise there? Some, but I guess not really. Like, you, you expect him to get back in. They'll give him a chance. Uh, we've got in here his last seven game stats. The previous, so the last three games, he's an 852 save percentage. The The previous four, he was a 979 save percentage. So things have taken a sharp turn, and it's time for time for him to bounce back and show that he's, you know, the, the good Samsonov and not what he's been lately. That's, that was the worry, though. No? Yeah. Like, this was always the worry, that you were going into this, and he was like, oh, Every other year he's ever played, literally in the NHL, he's had incredibly hot starts and fallen off a cliff. But this year, this year's it's different. There, are, some of the preseason concerns are surfacing, and that is the goaltending has been not great lately. John Tavares has five points in his last fifteen games now, despite playing alongside Mitch Marner. All right, before we get into maybe that, just just to go back to the goaltending, yeah scenario here it, it's a rather small sample size of three games yeah i think even not too worried about a couple St. of St. Louis tonight uh thursday seattle seattle saturday i'd feel Detroit. a lot more comfortable uh going back to the concerned uh scale after these two games this week yeah yeah, you're right. I mean, it is quick, but I think because going into the year that the expectations weren't overly high, when things do go a little bit south, it's it gets our attention a little bit quicker. But, yep, give them a crack at it here before I jump all I, over. I, I got to think for the Leafs, too, that if if a save percentage between the two of them were somewhere between 910, 915, 918, they'd be okay with that. Oh, God. If they if right? one of those guys can give them a 910, they 9-10. would be delighted. And that, that would be a massive success. You can win the cup with a 910. And they finished last year with well under 9, yeah, 880. Eight, 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 yeah, I don't know what it was, 898 or something. I don't, they, I don't know how far below. They don't need 920. No. They, they need don't. 910. And actually, league, league save percentage is way down. So even, yeah, that would be wonderful. That would be more than enough to win the cup. Right now, they're both 920 save percentage guys through 14 starts each, I believe. So 
Uh, good numbers for these guys, despite what was uh, expected of them. All right. So- All right. Do you want to? Uh, how concerned are you with uh, John Tavares? He had a couple of assists on Saturday night. Yeah, but I think I- one of them was a broken pass or to to Bunting. He tried to stuff it maybe short side. He got a lucky yeah. bounce off uh, a skate that went to Bunting, but clearly it's not the look that we had earlier in the season with JT. And is that, is that, is he just another player going over a stretch of an 82 game season where you're just going to have some lulls here? Or is there a greater concern? You know how it is with like guys as they get older, anytime they slump, everyone goes, there it is. Here comes the end of season or end of career decline. Um, So yeah, we're a little bit on notice about it, but the team is supposed to pick up around them. Do you want to start with Keith playing the full, a full team game? Would that be good? Relevant. All right. Relevant here. Let's do, let's do that clip, please. The strength of our team and and how we were able to have such a strong November and and December, maybe not as strong, but a a good December as well. It was just our team game has really carried, carried us through. Um, So I think sometimes, sometimes there's a natural tendency to look to others, especially we've got some really good players, you know, both forward and defense, but when we really pulled together and relied upon our team game to carry us and then have individual performances pushed through uh, within that, that's what's given us the greatest chance of success. So that's what you want to have continue is everybody just comes in and does their job and plays within our structure and, and the individual greatness you know, comes through within that. And that makes sense to me, right? Like this is supposed to be a team thing. And so, yeah, maybe Tavares can have a little bit of a down a slump here. And then, you know, within the, that team structure, find himself and get hot at the yeah. right time later. Fingers crossed. And a worried face. <laughs> you, there's, is there, is there a hope that even if John isn't as, as strong as he was in the beginning of the season, that Willie, Marner, and Matthews can carry him through or or does john need to be yeah. very good yeah uh in the second hole to for the leafs to have success so i understand that the leafs plan has always been that these superstars are going to drag them through and i think if you go around the league lots of teams have a couple of good players the best teams have three good players the Leafs' advantage is supposed to be you got four elite guys, four guys making a lot of money, superstars, whatever. If you bring it down to three, if Tavares is okay, you know, Tampa can match three three high-end guys, right? Stamkos, Kucherov, and Point, they got three good forwards. Lots of teams have three good forwards. I think Tavares is like the guy who makes a difference to me where you're like, we got four guys who can do damage. So... Yeah, I think he needs to be good. I think when he gets hurt against Montreal and they lose that advantage, it's a big deal for them. I think, I I mean, it's not to you know end the conversation here, but I care more about him playing well in April than I do right now. Like, they're, they're humming along. They're playing well. They just beat the crap out of the defending Stanley Cup champions in their last game. I, I As long as he can kind of figure it out and get himself going to what he was similar to the start of the year – I would like that very much for April, and right now he's got enough guys to carry him along. Do you like? Sorry, go ahead, Kip. You know, go ahead. Do you like that since Marner, Tavares, and Yarncroc have been aligned, they've been the worst 
Leafs line in terms of generating offense? They generate the least. There's been 10 lines put together hey, in that time. Go back and see Yarn Crocs points. Yeah, 10 points in nine games. Yeah, but with who? Marner. No. Tavares. Yeah, no, no, oh, Was no. it not with him? Go, go back and look at it. I see more uh, like line changes and points yeah. off of Keefe and Angval. And yeah. I don't think they've been generated off of the Tavares and Marner per se. Yeah. That's interesting. Actually, you know, I think about a couple power play opportunities in there where he got points. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's them. So that line, and just to clarify, that line has been the best defensive line the Leafs have. Marner, Tavares, and Yarncroft. The best since they've been together, but the worst offensively. So they play tough matchups. They play in the D zone, but producing is a, a major issue there. So what's not helping John or... I think uh, Mitch Marner now, is, especially going in the back half when things get a little heavier and you know gets tougher and teams button down, is that they look over and, and they see they don't see a, a presence on the left side. And now it's Yarncroc who is not a top six left winger. No. Nope. So if. If JT is going to snap out of this somewhere soon, is it going to be with Yarncroc? You know, this is a problem, though, that we have to find ways to prop up JT, right? He's supposed to be a line driver at $11 million a year. And obviously he's playing with Mitch Marner, and, you know, Mitch has been wonderful this year. It's just it's it's been a struggle lately. Tavares has obviously slowed down significantly. So hopefully he gets a little New Year's energy, a little... I'll tell you. I'll tell you if if you are in uh, the belief that you in this back half you're going to try different things and have different looks. Mm -hmm. I would think Sheldon would have a couple of looks with Tavares on the left side. You got to try it. I think it would alleviate a ton of work for him. It's a problem though. On on some nights, I know you want Marner to play center. Is that what you would suggest there? No. So someone, yeah. I'm going to throw. Find a center. I'm going to. I'm going to throw a twist at you. Mm. Let's put in Holmberg in the middle for a couple of shifts. Yeah, and throw Tavares on the left side. I love that you love Holmberg. I do. I love it because I love Holmberg too. Oh no! I'm a, <laughs> listen. Go go back and listen to the sound bites of teammates right. talking about Holmberg. Yeah, big strong guy, smart guy. Marner he, had a three minute answer. We just called him a stud twelve. There times. you go. <laughs> so. Just. A stud. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that you're, 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 this is going to be your focus to start a best of seven against Tampa. Right. But get a couple of repetitions mm-hmm. with this guy moving up in the lineup. Yeah. There, you know, Keith had had some quotes in the past week about how, about them working Holmberg up in the lineup. And he said, you know, looking good in some situations, not as good in some others, but exposing him to see where his threshold is, right? Like, what's the limit? You have to find out what's too far. Okay, you can't start in the D zone against, uh, you know, Kucherov, Stamkos, and Point. You know, like, okay, we got to find that limit, though, for, for Holmberg. And to his credit, that we're even talking about him like this. I mean, I, I, a good year. I, I would like to see him play with a, a, a winger that could maybe shoot the puck in the net. Because it seems like he's getting He's stuck. with Zach Aston Reese and Joey Anderson and, and Dryden Hunt, and it's tough. Because... I do notice when I'm watching the games that he makes a lot of positive plays for his wingers in yeah. terms of putting the puck in the right spot for his guys. He making, looks confident with the puck now. Makes good defensive zone reads and gets the puck out to the wings, and it's always he's 
giving it to Zach Aston Reese, who has one point in his last 30 games, and Dryden Hunt, who I don't know. I say to Sammy, and you were at there, Kipper, I I like the Leafs' fourth line. I understand between Aston Reese, Holmberg, Anderson, and Hunt. I like that they have four guys that kind of go get the puck and work hard and play D and all that. I know they're not big. But like they in the regular season, it's an effective fourth line. I can see why there's concerns going into playoffs, but I don't know. I watch that fourth line. I'm like, you know, if you add another guy and bump someone else down during the season, all of a sudden you got Yarncroc in the fourth line or something. You got a pretty good yeah. group. I'd like to see a. I'd like to see an upgrade in the bottom six. Yeah. Just one body. Just one body. Yeah. Kind of change that whole look. Just a little bigger, a little heavier. I just, I think the last time Tampa Bay was in, I think we saw still sample sizes of Belmar, Maroon, and Corey Perry. Yeah. Big, heavy, along the walls. And yeah, just Leafs kind of missed that type of optic look. Yeah, they've been good. I mean, that line has been good for years for them. You know, they don't play a ton in the playoffs. But yeah, I, I know what you mean. The one thing that killed me today was I was looking at the... Uh, um, Jonas Siegel had his article today in uh, Monday Morning Leaf Report, and it was looking at last year their decor from playoffs, and it was Riley, Labushkin, Muzzin, Hall, Giordano, Brody, or whatever it was. Yeah. You know, like it was with Labushkin and Muzzin, that was a bigger, stronger oh, no. group, you know? Yeah, that gave him a, a, a feel back there. Like that was a, you know, it was a couple of meaty guys to go with your guys who move yeah. it and play. And so the plan right now. It's a lean, it's leaner right well, now. Well, yeah. I mean, Sandine and, and um, Lilligren didn't really play much in the postseason last year. I think Lilligren two games, Sandine none at all. So now you're going to have them be your everyday guys. They're obviously having great years. They're obviously good players, but it is just a different type of decor, and I don't know if you love getting smaller to go play Tampa in the first round. Mm. I Yeah. I know. Most people would say, that, look how great they're doing, and they're doing great. I definitely like the options that they have outside of the lineup right now. I think, you know, Connor Timmons, outside of the point total, I don't think he's been as good as his point total shows. I think we can probably all agree on that. He's, but he's had some moments where he's looked pretty good. I think he's a good seven, eight kind of guy that if you have to bring him in for a playoff game here and there, and you'd kind of say the same about Jordy Ben. If you're looking at their group right now, it looks pretty deep to me, no? It's deep. It's, it's are the six as six, good as the seven old six? Deep, right? It's to fill in for your eight, six. Eight deep. Fifth they have and eight, sixth they have guy. Eight, they have eight capable NHL defensemen on their in their roster right now. But to me, it's are the six as good as when you had Muzzin and Labushkin and O'Reilly and Lilly, or sorry, or Sandine and Lilly. What version of Muzzin are we talking about here? The one that played in playoffs last year who was very good. Mm. Yeah. All right. You know, it's a it's a big ask. It's, so do you think they should trade for a defenseman? Well, that's where we're going here. Because I just think there's, like, what do you, are you taking right. out Hall? Are you taking out, is that who you want to take out? Is that your guy? You want to take out Lilligren, Sandine? To me, there's just, if you're spending the asset, your big asset, your first round pick, whatever your prospect you're going to do, it absolutely has to be on a forward. Absolutely. And no, I don't know, I don't the way know. Kipper's rubbing pitch- his face, he doesn't agree. Uh, honestly, yep. it's. Pick your poison. Where can you get the best player? I don't know. What's available? Fully healthy. They still have no left winger. I think, you know, to Sam's point, and you've you've beat the drum too this year at times. They just. Yeah. Who, the best version of this Leafs roster, who's their second line left winger? Truly. I just, uh, if if you ask me, which 
position is more important. Yeah. It's the blue line. Yeah, come playoffs. Come playoffs. I believe you win Stanley Cups from the net on out. Mm-hmm. Which means and the, strong. And they've been one of the best defensive teams all year. They have been. Yeah. Terrific. Better than last November year. November and December. I, that's, you know, but you can't deny that that's an important thing. It is November and December, and it is different. Yeah. No doubt. Terrific. But they were whatever. Right? <laughs> Listen, I get it. But we're talking about now, we're talking about spending the asset to get better. Yeah. And to me, if you're letting Dubas talked about evaluating this group and looking forward when he what didn't make it remember when he didn't make a trip we're like oh my god who's gonna play and he's like we're gonna see how these guys do and they all rose to the occasion and then you're just gonna i don't know yeah i think i i do believe that uh, you have a better chance i think to have more of an impactful guy if you're gonna give up a first and a prospect there's a very good chance you're gonna get a a 20 minute guy on the the blue line Mm -hmm. if you're gonna give up a, a first up front like Nicolino is a 12 minute guy. <laughs> what are you getting? What, yeah. what are you getting? I don't know. Yeah. Right? You're not going to get, uh, like, I don't know. Is it, I don't know what kind of market's going to be for Bo Horvat. You know for, what? You yeah. Know, to say, oh, could, could, it be, could it be a first and uh, Nick Robertson, if he comes back and he looks okay, is that going to be enough for Bo Horvat to yeah. rent him? You know what I feel like more and more is that like Sandine and Lilligren on D are going to be great, but if you can avoid Tampa, if you can avoid Boston, if you can win the division, I feel so much better. Yeah. So much better about those guys playing. That Catch ship one. sailed, I Guess think, what? my Is friend. it sailed they're nine points back they, with over half the year to go? Yeah, the thing with that, though, is Boston has to lose. Brad. They do, and they're and not they, going to forever. They, and they never lose. I, you know, I've watched them a few times. I don't and know it's about this. Ten, and it's ten, not nine. What's it, ten points? Yeah. That's close. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but they do have a run of games at home. This is my seg into uh, segue. How many? How many at home? Uh, they got ten games in January at home, and the ones that are on the road are puddle jumpers. It's Montreal, it's Ottawa, it's Detroit. They're all around here. They got a month that go they to, could. They go to Boston, too. They could win some matches here. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Let's listen to Keith talking about getting a stretch of games at home. Well, just not getting comfortable. I think that's the big thing. We've played really, really well and had good results here. Uh, it's, you know, the nature of our schedule. A lot of times you, we kind of bounce around, you know, between home and away. But, you know, it's pretty consistent. We'll, we'll scoot out for a short trip here or there. But it is a good opportunity for us to get some real traction here on home ice and just kind of get into that rhythm that you talk about. But, you know, you never want to get uh, complacent or comfortable within that. Um, you know, especially tonight, we're playing against a team that plays really well on the road and uh, all of that. And we're coming back off of a road trip and all of these things. So be excited to play at home, but uh, understand that, you know, there's work required and purpose and all those kind of things that we bring to the road. You want to bring that back here at home. I think that's been a big, big part of our mentality. Blues team, do they strike any fear into your heart? Where are they at? No Ryan O'Reilly tonight. No Tarasenko. Mm-hmm. Two guys that contracts up you thought might trade, get traded? I think it's uh, still undetermined on on where Doug Armstrong, and he'll be joining us in the second hour, and we'll, we'll get into that, just yep. where his break point is on determining how good he thinks his team is and what that means for assets. But... I, I think he still thinks that he should have a, a lineup that can compete in the West. 
And uh, tough to disagree with that, right? I mean, right now they sit five points out of the second wild card spot, but Colorado sits between them. But still, Seattle is probably the team to back up a little bit. L.A. is, you know, it's possible they could, you know, St. Louis isn't, isn't done. They're in a tough spot. But, yeah, these injuries make some decisions a lot harder. Um, and and yeah. we have seen them move a, a, a player like Stastny mm-hmm. to Winnipeg, knowing that uh, – he had a, a contract uh, situation, not much unlike uh, Ryan O'Reilly. Yep. Well, so the team was trying to win. You could still think he can have a chance to make noise in the West and still move a guy. For sure. But I like Ryan O'Reilly a lot. But he would. You could move Tavares to the wing if he's in the middle. Would you play him as a? <laughs> I wouldn't say that'd be the fastest group there. No. But they intelligent. Along together. Same intelligent, speed. smart. Oh, they'd be good. They'd be good. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to bring back uh, Craig Simpson. He is, uh, of course, calling uh, the game tonight, St. Louis and Toronto. We'll get his thoughts on a depleted Blues lineup and what that means to the Toronto Maple Leafs. You're watching and listening to Real Kipper and Bourne. We're back after the break. This is Real Kipper and Bourne on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Get ready to host the St. Louis Blues tonight. Let's bring in Craig Simpson, who will call the game tonight for Sportsnet. Uh, Simmer, how are you? Happy New Year. Uh, I'm doing well, thanks. Happy New Year to you. Are you guys hanging in there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We just, uh, you know, top of the show, Simmer, uh, you know, the... The euphoria of uh, a, a Canadian win on an extraordinary uh, goal by Connor McDavid to, uh, you know, the... Bedard. Uh, what do we keep calling him, McDavid? <laughs> yeah, 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 it's easy mistake to make. Easy, yeah, easy. <laughs> to, of course, the, the, the tragic uh, turn of events in the football game last night uh, certainly yeah. is a reminder to all of us uh, what uh, all these athletes in, in any sport really leave it out on the, the field or the ice on any given night. Yeah, and I think how much you take for granted just literally in your own life, just the importance of your health. But uh, when you see the athletes performing at the level that they can and the physical feats that they do, I think at times you forget the human element even about it. So, you know, it's always a scary thing when a guy gets injured badly, uh, whether it's breaking a leg or uh, you know, a back injury, whatever it may be, but obviously just such a different perspective when you're dealing with a heart and you're dealing with life and you're dealing with, you know, bringing him back to consciousness. And so it, it was a surreal, difficult task for the for the people doing the game too. I thought they handled it as well as they could have. And no question, just the way that the, the athletes themselves, forget about even if you're an opponent, uh, you know, obviously a teammate, you think so uh, fondly of your teammate and the guys were uh, so concerned, but I, I think it said a lot about the opponent, uh, the coaches and just how everybody handled it. it. It was a tough night to watch and difficult, but a good reminder of, of the human element that is just the game, right? For sure. 
For sure. And, you know, the uh, the Maple Leafs resume the things tonight, Simmer. I wanted to, uh, to start 2023 off by getting a big picture thought from you just on this season's team compared to the team they were last year. You know, we talked early in the show here about their decor going into playoffs, had Labushkin and Muzzin in it, um, different yep. on the back end, some different forwards. Where do you think they stand compared to, to last season's team? Yeah, when you... When you kind of look at uh, the stat line, you know, it's it's not all that different from last year, the way it played out. Uh, you know, a little trouble early on scoring goals uh, and then a November push that continued on into December. And I think you saw the same this year. Uh, early on, they couldn't really score uh, five on five. Uh, now, all of a sudden, you know, they're back to, I think, plus 24 or so, five on five. And, you know, last year they were plus 28 at the end of the year. So I, I just think you know, a lot of similarities, um, a little bit of a different makeup. I, I think they're really finally finding a makeup where you've, you've got some consistency in the in the third line that looks like it's a line that can play against anybody that's starting to get a little bit of offensive chip in from the wings with even Engvall and Kerfoot, uh, you know, uh, chipping in here and there. So I think they're a better team collectively defensively than they were last year. I'm not sure they're necessarily as, you know, explosive. I guess the numbers don't quite say from being the second highest, you know, scoring team last year to, to, you know, trying to break the top 10 this year, but that may come. Uh, I, I think collectively uh, Sheldon even said again today, their team game is probably a little bit tighter and a little bit better than it was last year at this time. A good stretch here in January simmer at home here. A uh, couple of things that stand out to you that you'd like to see. Is there a chance that, uh, you know, complacency might fall into place here somewhere in January when you see, Still Boston 10 points ahead in the standings. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I don't know how you felt uh, playing Nick, but I always thought these these are kind of difficult times. It's sort of January blues and blahs, and you come out of Christmas, that can be exciting with family and, you know, exciting uh, games. And it's just a different time. You get into that early to mid-January, early February, and then you get the all-star break. I, I think this always is a tough time. I'm not sure if it's better to be at home or the road. You know, I, I think it depends an awful lot on how you're playing and how your confidence level of your team is. As, as you know, you get on a homestand and maybe your game slips a little bit, you know, that can be further damaging. I know you always say, oh, it's a, it's a, it's an advantage to be at home, but man, if your power play goes south, you know how tough it is with the fans when mm-hmm. your power play's not going or when all of a sudden maybe the goaltenders uh, struggle a little bit. Being at home isn't all that uh, that safe haven. So I think it is a, a critical time, and I really felt that, that New Year's Eve game was a very, very important one for them on the heels of you know losing again against Arizona. That seems to have their number. Uh, if nothing else, guys, with the home stand that you mentioned coming, I thought it was a really important game for them to to play a, a solid defensive effort against the Cup champs to have the lead going into the third. And uh, I think we talked about it during the game. Basically, played you know about as much as a four line game as you possibly can, and everybody would have felt a, a big part of that win. And you hope that that transfers here into Game One as you start the start the new year. 
Do you think there's any sort of scenarios for them uh, ahead where the goaltending plan isn't just to take turns with the two guys? Could one guy take the reins? Could a guy play poorly enough to get traded? You know, are there scenarios where it's not just these two? You know, your turn, my turn? Yeah, I I can't really see the trade one, Justin, just because, man, like look around, there's there's a few teams that probably do need some help that might uh, might be needing to to look to a goaltender. So you can never say never. But, no, I, I, I think that they've got to be, for the most part, pretty happy with the way the tandem, once they got healthy, has worked. I thought Samsonov is kind of, you know, not just his numbers in the last couple of games, but just his style and some of the little mistakes or goals that have trickled through. And so I wasn't totally shocked that Murray got another one. I wouldn't be totally shocked, you know, if he had got another one tonight. He's, he's had a couple of times where Murray's played three straight. Um, so I think you might see one goalie get as much as maybe four in a row, but I, I can't see with all the games and, you know, the rhythm of how the games go that, uh, you know, one guy is going to be six, seven, eight in a row. I, I do think it'll probably be a one-off for a few times and then two or three in a row. And then if one guy proves that maybe he's a little uh, more on top, then I think that's when you got to start making the decision come playoff time. Is, is this Murray's net or is this Samsonov's <laughs> net? Because the last thing you want as a goaltend, as a as a coach rather, sorry, is come playoff time in those big swing games when you know maybe your goaltender played well but you lost again and you're facing elimination. The the, the last thing uh, a coach wants to have is oh god, who am I going to play tonight? You know that you just second guess yourself all the time. I find when you, when you're in that scenario. Honestly, uh, I, I think that's where it's headed. Simmer. This is the way it feels to me right now because I'm just watching the two teams that you need to focus on with the mentality of we're going nowhere unless we get by these two teams have bona fide right now, number one, no questions asked goaltenders in Allmark and Vasilevsky. And this is shaping up to game one in the playoffs where I'm 65% sure that Matt Murray's the number one goalie until we see yeah. how this goes. Well, you know, that's, you just said it though. That that's unless, unless Murray or Samsonov just runs a table here where he's just spectacular. And now you go, okay, this is my guy. I think you're right. And, and the only thing I worry about that is your comment about the guy at the other end, you know, all Mark, I, I would, say okay this is his sort of first time that what is he 20 21 one and three or something like that it's like off the charts crazy yeah it's off the charts but that's that's also kind of uncharted you know water for him so you go maybe i'd like to take my chance on that but it doesn't look like boston's falling off so you got vasilevsky again yeah like cooper's even if vasilevsky has a bit of a struggle he's not going into any game thinking about his goaltenders where you know okay you get down three games to one let's say and who's who's my goalie tonight you know that that is just such a gut-wrenching decision that you always feel you make the wrong choice so I do agree with you Nick it it looks like it's headed that way and that's not a real easy uh, situation to be in but that's where you hope maybe one guy does sort of put himself above the other and uh, you you take that decision-making process right out of it. 
So in terms of the people in front of him, um, you know, Morgan Riley has made his return to the Leafs lineup. Um, your thoughts on how that's uh, affected the look of the Leafs D and how he's fared so far? I, I think Morgan's been fine. He's only played like 20, just over 20 and just under 20 in the two games. Hasn't had to be, you know, a, a, a big uh, horse or a big factor back there in terms of, of pushing the play. You had the five-man first power play, so maybe you missed a little bit of extra time that might have pushed you to 21 or 22 minutes. But anytime you have a knee injury and you're rehabbing, you can never get totally up to speed. So I think you always give a guy a, a grace period and you say, okay, got to be feeling better now, got to be getting up to speed. Can you be an impactful guy? You know, he's can he shoot the puck a little bit more? Can he get involved in the offense? Can he push the play? And, and I think that's what you want to see over the next little bit. It sounds like if Sandine's coming back and Timmins goes out, you know, the one thing you say, you've talked a lot, Jason, about the back end and the look. And I think we talked months ago going into Dallas about how you have to play against different teams given the style that you have back there. But now all of a sudden you got a couple of little options and you got a couple of decisions again and say, okay, Sandine deserves the ability to come back just because he was playing quite well and established himself when they needed it. But man, now you got a little competition back there that might push and say, you know, do we need to change on a, on a certain matchup, the, the size of the look of the back end. And those might be some interesting. I thought Timmons has played pretty well. He's not overly physical, but he's, He's not a guy that we've talked a lot about. And, you know, on the back end, guys, that means you're not making a whole lot of mistakes and and you're getting exposed. So I I do think it'll be interesting come deadline time when they do already have a couple of different options back there of, you know, geez, what else do we have to add? And and is it another defenseman or do you you focus on the the forwards? We're talking to two-time Stanley Cup champion Craig Simpson. Analyst with Hockey Night in Canada and someone very familiar to playing on a number one power play. So I throw you this, Simmer. Yep. When I see five forwards on a power play, I think what? <laughs> well, uh, are we talking as a penalty killer or just as your situation? <laughs> as a penalty killer, I'm thinking opportunity yeah. and I'm thinking pressure. Um, you know, I, I think... I I think it's worthwhile going through the process for Keith again, trying to see if something works again, trying to see if you get some real chemistry. But I don't know. I, I still think you get into a again a playoff series where you've got Braden Point uh, killing the penalty and Headman back there. You're going, yeah, I got to have one guy there that mine can flip the defense, and yeah. so. I don't think it's going to happen in the end. I think it's good for situational because, you know, guys, there could be a game that you're down. You don't care about that. So I, I'm I'm totally good with the whole uh, situation of, of letting it ride a little bit and letting it go. But as we all know, when you're when you're coaching in a playoff series, it, it's a lot of different decisions can be made at that time. I think to your point, you know, there's a lot of things – that can happen in a game and you don't want to overreact to small samples of things and only getting a look at a, you know, a few things going right or going wrong. You know, something we talked about uh, a little bit before you were on was just John Tavares and, you know, speaking of 
sample sizes over the past 15 games. I don't know if he looked like quite the same player he did in the first, right. you know, 20 games or so. Uh, overreacting to make too much of that? No, not overreacting. No. But I think, I think being conscious and aware of, first off, every player, right? Like, you know, that, that's why the superstars are so rare that they rarely ever dip or ever have a, mm-hmm. you know, a down in their play. But anybody who's over the 32, 33 number, uh, you, you know, or has played a thousand games and you, you just know you're going to have a little up and down. You're going to have a time where you don't maybe look as fresh. Maybe the schedule has been a little hard on you. So I, I don't think overreaction is necessarily the word, but I think it's a reaction saying, you know, maybe we do have to back him off. Look at his ice time. I have to look at my notes, but I think he's under 17 for the last four straight. Yeah. There, and that's some, to me. Yeah. Some nights he's played under 15. Backing him off. Yeah. Backing him off and allowing him to maybe recharge a little bit. It might mean you're not as effective during those games or maybe selective to your effectiveness, but I think that's a coach looking and saying, I can't be playing this guy 20 and 20 and 21 in a row right now. I got to back him off and let him, let him regroup a little bit. We also talked uh, earlier in the show about the thought of maybe even alleviating some nights of maybe some hard labor. Let's face it. He doesn't skate like Willie. He doesn't skate like Mitch or Austin. He needs to work hard when he skates. If maybe on an occasion in the back half you throw him on left wing, is that is that uh, is that doable, or does that make the Leafs look bad that our eleven million dollars centerman is now <laughs> yeah. not good enough to be uh, uh, in the middle every night? Well, I guess your your uh, answer right there at the very end is a completely different discussion point, right? Like that that has nothing then to do with what do you think is best for the player. I don't really know John's uh, mindset in terms of wing. I know I I played center my entire life until my third year in the National Hockey League. And, man, when I suddenly got to play wing, I was like, this is the easiest position in the world. (laughs) Don't tell people. Yeah, (laughs) It was. And so there there is a natural sense and even progression. And, And I would consider myself... Like John Tavares, he's probably a faster skater than I was. So, like, everything had to be aligned for me to be skating well and do that. Go to the wing, Nick was like, oh, my gosh, I, this is this is a new life. And let my center drive the thing, and I can come and make plays and come late. So I think it's a valid question. But you're, when you threw it to me with the contract stuff and, you know, the perception stuff, I think that that's where your head coach has to say, I just got to deal with my player and say what's best for John and what's John comfortable with. I don't know, guys. Has he played much wing? I can't think of. I mean, in a yeah. in a Team Canada thing, you go, yeah, you play anywhere, right? And you play in any situation. I, I think he did in 2010. Play some yeah. wing. Yeah, I yeah. think he did uh, see wing action. So, but there's in those situations, Nick. There's no perception of what I make or do that. I'm playing for Canada. I'm going to play wherever the hell I have yeah. to, right? Yeah, And so if you made a deal that brings somebody in that can maybe take some pressure for time in there at the middle, I'd be all for it. And honestly, I think he can still take his face off, which he's really good at. But then the responsibility and the play on the wing, 
I just thought it was like the easiest thing going. And maybe he, maybe it would take a little pressure off, but that's a, that's a whole nother, you know, discussion point because of what you just said with the perception of being a leader and being a big money guy. You know, something that's also taken perception off and last one for me here, Sam, I appreciate your time um, was just, taking some pressure off is having Pontus Holmberg. This guy's a pretty oh, good God. hockey player, eh? Like, I don't yeah. know, going into the year, they thought they had such a reliable guy and as a bottom six center. Exactly. And I, I think there's the classic example of giving the guy, you know, moving him a couple different times into third line, back down, fourth line, uh, giving him an opportunity to probably play in some games early on that, you know, other guys maybe got pulled out or put in the spot. But being patient with a guy that you really felt had real potential. And to me, the telltale sign, and you guys would know, when your top guys are talking about you and saying good things about you, and even on air in our broadcast about you, and you're a fourth-line center, that says that, you know, there's a lot of things in your game that are strong. And, you know, they all talk about, man, he's got a great stick, and he's hard on the puck, and he battles hard. And so... I think that where in the last week and a half where Tavares, Matthews, uh, Marner all talked about him in various ways, I go, yeah, there's, there's a teammate now that those guys are trusting and saying, good for you. Like you, you've, you've found a niche. You've really fit in a very important role. And I think uh, Sheldon's at that spot too, where he, he uh, trusts him an awful lot. And I, I think that's, that's a line that can, probably get a little bit of an input from someone else or maybe a trade at the end too. But he now looks like a bona fide guy that you can probably trust and lean on in, in some key situations. Simmer, we'll let you go uh, and get ready for tonight's call on uh, Sportsnet Ontario. Uh, Craig Simpson, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us. Uh, always enjoy your time here. You bet, guys. Take care. See ya. Thanks, Simmer. Some great stuff there. Oh, yeah. I love the winger thing. Well, you know, as someone who played wing my whole life, I just hope people never find out how easy that position is. Just go in your own zone, stand Center somewhere near the top of the circle. A horrific I position. Don't think I skated like <laughs> 500 feet backwards <laughs> as a winger. Oh, I know. And anyone, just wait until you get to go the other way. Anyone who willingly chose to play center is insane. It's like goalie to me. It's like, oh my God, who would do that? Yeah, so sorry, you want to be a defenseman oh, and a forward? Oh, you want to start and finish time? every play? No, thanks. <laughs> I'm good just at that. Catch my breath here, will you? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll hang out by the by the defenseman and kind of poke at a stick and make it look like I'm doing. Something. I'm in the lane, coach. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, we've spoke very highly of Holmberg for quite a while here. Uh, but the other thing too is, you know, Kempf to me, mm-hmm. like another good player who I think has a little bit of upside as well yeah. to be moved around. Like even throwing he scored eleven times last year, didn't he? Like even throwing Kempf. Up on a shift or two yeah. for Tavar with Tavares and Marner. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have a problem. You with. know what? That's a really good point because he he's long and rangy and he can make little plays and you trust him. Like yeah, you feel okay when he's out there. It's a good point. Yeah, mixing mixing more David Camp. He's got 14 points this year in 37 games. He had yeah. 26 and 82. He's pretty much on pace for all you need out of him. 1.5 mil. Love it. Yeah, and he's going to get yeah. Edmonton for, <laughs> for yeah, now. For, for the next 40 games and whatever you can squeeze, and then you got to say goodbye to him. Yeah, and then Edmonton's going to give him five times five. <laughs> Someone may give him five times three. Oof. I would like that to not be the Maple Leafs. I love camp. It's one of my favorite players, but I don't know.
You yeah. Know, I, I'd, I'd give him five yeah. times No, three. no. I'd, I'd, so would I. I would. Yeah. He'd, he'd look good on a lot of teams competing. He'd be your third line center, yeah. you know, and you'd try to get, yeah, your 10, 15 goals out of him, whatever, and have him take the toughest assignments, D-zone starts, win draws, PK. And you just hope then Holmberg slides in and at the yeah. very uh, least is your third line centerman next year. Yeah, I mean that that they're okay down the middle now, which is you know something you didn't expect maybe at uh, pre Holmberg era, but it's the wings now. <laughs> the Holmberg era. <laughs> PH, this is was that pre Holmberg or post Holmberg? Change uh, things. Holmberg be the the Nick Paul in Game Seven. You know they need someone. Max Talbot scores T two for Pittsburgh in Game Seven to win. Nick Paul gets the you know you need that guy down the lineup who just does something the right time. Come on, Pontus. Just let the record show when it happens. We've It'll been be, here all along. It's it's going to be Angval. Just jam it right in the face. Actually, you know what? Face. It could be Angval. I've thought that several times. People are like, is he going to be the guy who scores that goal? It's like he's, you never know when you're going to get him. No. He might show up and score you too. Some nights he is just tantalizing. You're like, oh, my God, this guy. This when guy he's gone, every, he's gone, He's right? got every tool. Every tool. Well, not every tool. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes he's missing the toolbox. That's exactly what I was thinking. Like, you can't quite put them all together in one area. They're all in a the... pile in different parts of the house. <laughs> you got to gather the tools. <laughs> you just got to find them when you need them. We, we got to get to break. We're going to okay. get to Doug Armstrong after. But uh, just, you're, you're, I never really got your thoughts on the five forwards on the power play. And yeah. I, I just don't think it makes them that much better than if it's Sandine or Riley or someone who can actually skate backwards. I don't think it makes them enough better that I want to see it. Who would you rather have on there, out there, Bunting or Sandine or Riley? Yeah, you know, I don't know. I guess Sandine or Riley is my answer. Riley, probably. I, Simmer nailed it, again, about if I'm a penalty killer. Like, think if you're Brad Marchand and you oh, got yeah. Mitch Marner on the point. You're taking a couple chances to poke one free and getting... Yeah. Mitch Marner is one of the best defense players in the Leafs. Mind, Nico Heischer I didn't mind them. bunting spot there on the power play, though. You know, yeah, you like him there, but you you got Tavares there. So, oh yeah, we're we running into another awkward I, moment. And just yeah, and there just doesn't seem to be anyone that can lock in between Riley and Sandine. Mm-hmm. There's just. That question mark. It's just because of the contracts and Morgan Riley's status. It's just going to be No, it's Morgan because Riley. they haven't fared well consistently yeah. on that spot. Yeah, Has nothing with to do. Sandine there. Just yeah. Sandine probably shoots the puck. In their mind, he probably gets pucks to the net better mm-hmm. than Morgan. But Morgan's making... Many you know, millions. To, to do more than just not be on the power play. Right. So, second anyways. Unit, second unit looks pretty good these days. They're getting out there. Yeah. Okay, we got to get to Okay, Doug. we'll go to break. Doug Armstrong will hunt down Doug in Halifax as all the big wigs are there for the World Junior Championship. That and more after the break. You're watching and listening to Real Kipper and Bourne. This is Real Kipper and Bourne on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Okay, let's get right into it, because our next guest is a really busy guy. Yes. Out in Halifax. Let's welcome in general manager of the St. Louis Blues, Doug Armstrong. Army, thanks for doing this. Happy New Year, and uh, I take it you're all, you're with all the big wigs out in Halifax for the World Juniors. 
Yeah, well, Happy New Year's, guys, uh, and thanks for having me on. Yeah, we saw a great game last night. Canada pulled it out there in OT. It was uh, it was a ton of fun to be at as a fan and then to work it. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's been a great tournament. Looking forward to the next couple of days. So watching this uh, this phenom named uh, Connor uh, Bedard, uh, not your team, of course, but would you, you think others would be watching it uh, thinking, hey, maybe this is not a uh, bad time to be not very good this year? Yeah, this might be a good year to have a bad year. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, is, is, is all of you guys watching this uh, sit back like uh, any other Canadian watching it going, wow? For sure. I did uh, last night. It's the first time I've had an opportunity to see him play uh, in, in person, and uh, he didn't disappoint. Uh, I, I thought... Uh, as the game progressed, they really played him physical. They they went after him hard and tried to tried to push him out of the game. And I think that just uh, I was impressed how it motivated him to get more on the inside, more to try and want to take the game over. Uh, some of just the things you you pick up when you see him live is, is a, his release is probably the best I've I've seen at, at this level, uh, and his ability just to change that direction uh, or. or you know, just the point where he's going to shoot the puck by, you know, six and eight inches where it just gets the goalies confused and he uses the whole net to score. I, I was unbelievably impressed with him. Yeah, he was, uh, it was quite the show last night. So uh, tonight your St. Louis Blues take on the Toronto Maple Leafs. You guys head into 2023 here. I'd love to get your, your take on the season so far for the Blues compared to how you expected to be or things, you know, maybe I'm guessing a little bit behind where you expected to be. What are your thoughts on the Blues season so far? Yeah, I thought uh, the way that our season ended last year and uh, our, quite honestly, our play for a number of years, I thought we were going to be competitive. Um, you know, going into the year, I thought Colorado, with the, uh, the success they had last year, they lost some good players. They might take half a step back and, and that would give everyone a little bit more opportunity in the West. And, and that may have happened. There have been uh, hit with injuries also. So um, the, the West, it looks like it's wide open. And uh, But our team specifically we haven't played nearly to the standard that we thought we'd be able to play at uh we haven't played uh, our defending has has been subpar pretty well all year long and uh, uh we need to change that if we want to uh just basically get get a foundation that we can start building off of uh doug does does looking at the western conference and seeing uh, uh others uh in, be inconsistent change your thoughts on on where this team goes and where you go towards a trade deadline do you see 92 points 93 being the the, the line to make the playoffs here that's exactly the numbers that we talk about here 92 93 uh uh, could could probably get you in. It seems like we're we're all going to start uh, feasting on each other as as the season progresses. And uh, yeah, the, the West just doesn't seem to have the the sachet this year that the East does, and and that usually switches from year to year every couple of years. But uh, no one's been able to really put a put something like Boston's done or uh, in, into place out out in the West. Uh, and so it's going to be competitive and. Uh, you know, obviously, it's such a long time to the deadline. It's it's nice to talk about it or have, you know, I understand why people want to focus on it, but it's a long time until March and a lot of things have to happen. And you just look at the, you know, I, there's a lot of conversations uh, around the NHL, except they don't have to seem to have with the 32 managers that, that make the trades. I, I, I hear a ton about it in the media, but I don't hear a ton about it from the guys I talk to. <laughs> just waiting for the phone to ring. The, um, 
you know, you do have a couple of injuries right now, which uh, complicates things for you guys in trying to climb up the, the standings. Sounds like O'Reilly is going to be out, Tarasenko for a little bit. Um, how does that change things for you as the team's GM heading into these months? Well, I think we need to focus now. We have to really play a strong team game, and that's always been our our uh, our blueprint here. We've never been an organization that has, has been blessed with a Crosby or, or a McDavid or uh, Ovechkin. So what we try to do is be strength in numbers, and we're going to need that even more now. Um, you know, we have Robert Thomas and Kyra seem to be two young players that we've counted on that are a point of game players now and, and seem to be trending up. We have a player like Shen that can slide right in and be that second line center. So I think we have the, the people here to, to stabilize and, and to put some wins together. But uh, as you guys know, it doesn't matter what people say. It's what, what we do. And, and we have to start tonight against a great Leaf team that, uh, uh, I, I give I give their coaching staff a ton of credit. They've they've been hit with a lot of injuries on the back end there, and they seem to find a way to to play really good hockey. And um, you know, obviously, they're a powerhouse in the league right now. Ryan O'Reilly, of course, is out with a broken foot. Um, uh, what four years ago you traded uh, Paul Stastny, and that must have been a tough decision because uh, there's a fine line uh, between the future and the present, uh, but you were still able to kind of stay competitive when you traded Stastny. Obviously this is leading towards a tough decision with Ryan O'Reilly, but I mean, there, there are ways to, uh, I guess, improve the immediate future without selling the farm. Correct. Yeah. I I think that when I, when I look at our franchise uh, with, you know, I don't want to overhype Thomas and Cairo, but, but teams tank to get players of this caliber. And so I don't think we're ever going to be in a position to go, you know, to the bottom of the league for a number of years with these guys here. So what we're going to try and do is, is add, add to those guys, keep as many players as we can and, and keep pushing ahead and let these guys grow and get better. We have some other players that we're excited about uh, seeing, um, you know, we have Snuggerud just playing for the U.S. now. Last year's pick looks like he has the chance to be a very good prospect. Uh, is a very good prospect. Has it's a very good player, neighbor. So we've got some young guys coming, but uh, yeah, tough decisions have to be made. And uh, with the salary cap, uh, looks like to be relatively flat this year before it starts to take its jumps. Uh, uh, we have to be smart on what we do. But we've had, we're, we're hoping to keep as many guys around here as we can and, and keep pushing ahead. And uh, a lot of that's going to be dictated on how we play over the next uh, eight weeks. When you're at an event like the one you're at, Doug, is there a lot of conversations, uh, you know, sort of planting seeds that can bear fruit uh, as you get closer to the deadline? Uh, actually, there's not, you know, managers, well, we're at a different hotel, so I just see them at the games. Yeah. Not, we, we do that on, on the phone and, and talk more or less. Uh, uh, it's not, it's things that, you know, we're, we talk quite a bit. I talk to most managers, you know, at least once a month and uh, sometimes more. And you, you have a good feel of what's going on. But, yeah, you you get a sense after a number of years being in the business who who thinks it's their time and who wants to put uh, – who has the assets that they, they might want to take a push. And uh, you, you just try and try and understand that if, if I was to receive the call, I'd like to see the logic that the person's saying. So I'd like to have – you know, it, it, I always say to our staff when they say, well, call them and ask this. I said, well, I see that what's in it for us. I'm not really sure what's in it for <laughs> Right. So well, you, you want to have a little little bit of logic in what you're making, and uh, the next eight weeks are going are gonna to clearly define where teams are at also. Yeah, it really is, and, and, and more maybe show up to the party. And, I mean, I, for an example, we're watching Florida that uh, – 
ran away with the whole regular season last year, now struggling. They're going to have to make decisions here. But is there a sense from what you gather already that there's going to be um, a lot more supply out there with some bigger names than there will be with teams that can actually take them on? Uh, Kipper, I think when there's a, a will, there's a way. You can you can third-party broker deals. Uh, you know, so let's say you take a a player, you you name the cap it, you cut that in half if the team keeps half, and you bring somebody else and you cut that in another half. All of a sudden, uh, if you do that math, a ten million dollar player becomes a two and a half million dollar player really quick. And and so I, mm-hmm. I think if you want to get creative, there's lots of ways to to get things done. And uh, uh, obviously, players that have no trades. Uh, you know, have have a lot of saying where they want to go and what they want to do. So, I think it's a fluid situation right now. I think it's it's ever evolving, uh, and you just have to be ready to to act and react to, to what's happening. Given your guys' success, you know, in the very recent past here, do you feel like if you guys get in, you're just one of those teams that you just got to get in? You're still you're still dangerous once you get there. I think that's the NHL. I think you're yeah. dangerous once you get in. I think that the parity is is here now, and I think it's here to stay. Uh, under, under the system that we have, uh, you run into a hot goaltender, uh, or you run into a team that gets some injuries, and, and you never know what can happen. And I, I look at last year where uh, Colorado was. I thought they were a full letter grade ahead of, of us. I thought going in, but all of a sudden, Bennington seemed to be getting on a roll, and uh, we seemed to have their attention. And then, and then Bennington gets hurt, and it changes the dynamics a little bit. But you never know what what the other team is dealing with. They they may look. Uh, they may look like the duck on top of the water, very calm, but they're pounding like hell underneath. So you just got to keep showing up every day and, and seeing where if you can make them break. Hey, can you give your head coach Craig Broomby uh, some some crap for me because he he neutered Bennington and I liked him better when he was challenging <laughs> everybody out on the ice. <laughs> well, it's like I can give him crap over the phone, but but like you, you probably don't want to do it. <laughs> no, 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 no. He's still scary back there. Hey, he's a big man, isn't he? <laughs> he's a big man, and uh, just throw a pair of skates on him, and he becomes the toughest guy uh, on the ice, even at his age. You got that right. Yeah, yeah. He, he seems to get a lot of respect when he walks through the room, and there's a little scowl on that face. <laughs> no question about that. Listen, we know you got uh, a few scouts I'm sure you want to look after tonight uh, with maybe a nice dinner, but uh, really appreciate your time, uh, uh, Doug, and uh, all the best to you in 2023. Well, you've been around a long time, Kipper. They don't really care what I think. They just want me to take the credit card. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you throw, take care, guys. Happy New Year. Throw it Thanks. our way, too. too. Thanks. Doug Armstrong, general manager. <laughs> ah, man, that was awesome. I got to tell you, that that was the highlight of uh, working for the Marlies, was just getting to go out when the credit card came out and they take you to a nice steakhouse, Toronto Maple Leafs. Were you, you, know? were you around, uh, you were working with the, the Calder Cup Championship? No, it was the two years prior to that, actually. Oh, okay. All <laughs> right. So you missed out on that? But I did cash in because Lou Lamorello's whole thing was that he wants everyone to be treated and throughout the system like it's the NHL, you know, to make this system. So, yeah, we got the NHL per diem, took us out to some nice the, meals. The money I heard they dropped uh, for parties for a Calder Cup championship oh, yeah? was off the charts. I'm not shocked to hear that. Yeah. I saw a couple seafood towers yeah. at a couple do restaurants. You, uh, and I was like, oh. Do you have a number that you'd care to share? Uh, yeah, but uh, it's okay. <laughs> okay. We, we, we don't need to... I'm just interested. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. They uh, they looked after their their group for sure. There. Not surprised. Which, 
you know, I got to go back to my 1988 Calder Cup championship in Hershey. Maybe not quite the same experience. Yeah, maybe here's a bag of Hershey Kisses. <laughs> On a fire truck. Past the due date, but everyone gets Yeah, yeah there were no seafood towers. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Crab legs. There you go. Um, he, you know, Doug Armstrong always has such a firm grip on reality to me. Every time, you know, he comes on our show, I feel like kind of an idiot sometimes for like some of the wild hypothesizing. Like he's aware where they are. He knows they're too good to be bad. He knows it's challenging. They're trying to get well, to 92 or 93 points. And it's... uh. Real interesting to hear say you don't throw eight million dollars to Cairo or to try to lose Robert Thomas to sink yeah to the bottom right. it's not happening they're like what are they twenty five year old point per game right scores so you know full circle to our conversation with Vancouver mm-hmm. J T mm-hmm. Miller you don't give him eight million dollars to yeah. turn around and go get. Connor Bedard. That don't Miller. make no sense. <laughs> it makes all the sense. How old's JT Miller though? Older yeah. than twenty-four. Yeah, he is. Let's just looking this up quick. Yeah, he's twenty-nine, so he'll be hmm. next year. Younger when than cut. I thought he was. Yeah. So, do we have uh, an explanation uh, on JT Miller, Sammy, on why maybe he's not scoring? He did lately. He did offer an explanation. One, if uh, you'd like to hear it. We would. I think it would be. It's quite compelling if you would like to hear it. Yes, 100%. JT Miller, below a point per game. Let's hear from JT. I honestly thought like the last month or so, I mean, I haven't played a lot of center, but the last couple weeks I've been playing really well at center. I mean, I think to say that my lack of production is a compliment to me not cheating the game and playing the right way. You know, I haven't been on for a lot against and, you know, played a lot of hard matchups in there and thought everything was coming along in the right direction. It's, it's a little tricky when you're bouncing around on every line here, like every on a nightly basis. But, um, you know, I feel really comfortable there. You know, the first seven, eight games of the year were you know, kind of a crapshoot there. I didn't feel good about my game or, com- like, just comfortable. And, and uh, But, you know, since then, I, I feel good there. Um, you know, I kind of like the strides that I'm making at a 200-foot basis. I'm going to make a prediction right now. If JT Miller doesn't score again the rest of the year, he's going to win the heart. <laughs> it's a compliment to his Just play that he's not based getting points on the fact that he's getting better and better, not yeah. scoring. Yes. Has to put him up there with McDavid. So two well, things stand out in that answer to me. One is, is it a veiled shot at teammates? If you're like, I'm not getting points unlike some people, but I'm doing the right things. And is it a veiled shot at the coach? If you're like, if you move me around all the time, it's like impossible to that, play. That was, the, there's three things from that clip how long was that clip Derek like 35 seconds, 35 seconds. yeah 35 seconds <laughs> he lies blatantly <laughs> throws his coach under the bus throws his teammate under the bus and then has like a veiled thing where he's like oh I was a little bit out of sync for the first nine games of the season yeah boy his contract is, has not started he is one different dude <laughs> that's a nice way of putting it Kipper it is oh I hate that dude <laughs> <laughs> I mean the scene with the goaltender um, and then, you know, later in that same play, he's yelling at another teammate, he, the shots in the media. You know, right now, Miller has 30 points in 36 games. Um, you know, he talks about being, you know, 200 foot game, good positional play. Uh, Miller is last on the team in plus minus. He's minus 13. Like, uh, Pedersen's plus 11, Kuzmenko's plus 11. Like, a lot of these guys have decent numbers. He's last on the team. 
So I don't know if you can say you don't score getting well, points last three games that you're D I think it was Kelly Rudy uh, uh, did an ISO on him on a couple of shifts where he, he looked like the body language had quit on uh, the he, end of the shift or before the shift was Rudy over. Rudy nailed it. Those two clips that he showed were horrible. So then there's some people who are like, oh, you're trying to read body language. Well, listen, you can learn something. He he has been doing that his whole career. Sure. This is okay? not a new development. It's not new. What's new is you called out your goalie and everybody's just had enough of you right now. Mm. Right? Just, yeah. Is this? He is no different than he was in New York. No. And no different than I think Tampa. he, yeah, Tampa. But what's the difference now? They're losing. Money. And they're losing. They're losing, and you embarrassed a, a young kid in net, and now now there'll be more Kelly Rudys now going to find those moments that you've always had your whole career, but there wasn't a necessary, it, was, it wasn't, you don't, you don't necessarily just bring that up on any player. Yeah. But now you do. JT Miller's put himself in a position where guys like Kelly will call him out a lot more now. But I know, and I know you're right. But like, imagine David Camp doing that. You know, would we sit here and talk about it? Like, or we, we, we all we've all had moments on shifts. Oh, sure. That we that you could we could look like that. Yes. Not that often. You hope. Right. But I look like that every shift. <laughs> <laughs> but there are some nights. That you go, and we've had, we not experienced that with Willie Nylander over the first six years of his career where you watch sometimes Willie start the, the glide for a line change you know at, what, at, at the far circle? Yeah, but with Willie, it's always seemed more like indifference than malice. You know, like he's always like, ah, I don't know, maybe it works a, out, maybe more, it doesn't. Yeah, aloof. Yeah, more yeah, like whatever. Okay. Whereas Miller's is more like F you, F you, you know. Yeah, you think I'm going to skate hard, punk? Yeah, yeah right. Get out of the net. That was nuts. That was nuts. You weren't here for that conversation, but that truly was. That was embarrassing. A little bit embarrassing, particularly because the goal is looking at the coach, like waiting. I, for the I don't word. think he even realizes what he does. And I'm that's an interesting. I, I, I listened to his comments after saying, "Hey, I was just trying to, you know, let him know that I'm in control. I got the puck behind there, and you're good to go." And I, I do believe he believes that. That's interesting. He doesn't think he's no, being a jerk when he's no, behaving he doesn't. that way. He's but just a, getting the message but, across. It's pro you know, sports. When you've got the reputation of a JT Miller now for being that guy in the room, mm-hmm. it's because you don't realize you are that guy in the room. That's a problem. That's a problem. And that's a problem in itself. And you, know. you don't know how you come across to teammates or sometimes uh, you know, fans, media. media. Fans. Is he completely untradeable? Um, I, you know, you could probably give him away the same way that was it Max Pacioretty went for nothing because Vegas wanted cap space. And, you know, there are those deals now where you just give a player away. Basically, Uh, I would absolutely give him away if you're looking for no return. Yeah. The cap space. You know why? No, there's value there. There's value there, and I don't know where it is, but it's not... Like 100 points last year? Probably. Definitely. It, it's, it's low right now. The value is low. Mm-hmm. Like giving so, him so many years that... I don't think that you can you can convince someone just to take that contract right now. I could, be, no I could be wrong. I, uh, listen, you... you Full no move? You had a chance 
to trade him. They couldn't trade him all summer. Okay? It was the one year left on the deal, right? Because his new contract doesn't kick in until next September. Right. They tried. This is where people got to realize. They tried to trade him all summer. And they couldn't. And then they couldn't sign Bo Horvat for what they wanted to sign him for. And they did the switcheroo. Mm -hmm. And then they just gave him the $8 million. You know, what's fascinating is like he has no trade protection for the remainder of this year. So I presume that means it all kicks in when his new I, I'm deal I'm not starts. even sure he wanted to sign in Vancouver. But now he's got the money and he could say, okay, trade me now. Because he couldn't get the money anywhere else. Right. And he took the money. I can't be mad at him there. I'd probably do that too. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it here, but Who you need the contract. Us? Then I'll worry about asking for a trade. Because when you have the protection, you can still but, ask for a trade. But there, 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 were, there was... Ample opportunities for other teams to trade for him, and they just didn't. Or you know, they it, couldn't, it felt like the Leafs were to. in on that. I remember Elliot reporting that during, I forget when, talking about it at some point, though, talking about Miller potentially being of interest here. He is a good player. He's a very good player whose probably attitude has held him back in his career. But under the right circumstances, with the right room, I think he could be a valuable asset. Like playing with uh, Tavares. Well, come on. You guys sat in here a a while ago and told me that, you know, Evander Kane was not not, not an asset. I did not. I'll own that. I said I wanted him on the lease, for the record. I was all Okay, I remember one of you saying. Gordy did. Certainly would have been me. I was definitely saying I want him on the lease. He could, uh, you know, he's not as tough. and doesn't fight like Evander. But he's got that type of impact as Mm -hmm. a left winger. Like, come on, like, imagine just money aside, put him with Tavares and Willie. He had 99 points last year. 32 and 67 for 99. Woo! His previous career high uh, was 72. Just hard to imagine uh, the the thought process of of signing this guy to that, what was it, 56? Yeah. Eight times, eight times eight seven? Ten, it's seven times eight, seven years times eight million. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And, and then, like, leaving your captain, Bo Horvat, out, hung out to dry. Like, I don't understand that. Bo's going to be the perfect playoff ad for someone, right? Go play center on a team that's already good. Mm-hmm. Colorado. So, Boston. No. They're not allowed to trade for guys. I mean, they got to replace uh, Krejci and probably Bergeron next year. The Boston Bruins have a have 62 of a possible... 74 points this year? Gross. I think they're going to start to lose some hockey games. No. You heard it here first. So it's what did we schedule. think of uh, the Winter Classic? Now, this one is their New Year's Day Plus spectacle one. that didn't want to go up against the NFL. Yeah. So they pushed it to January 2nd. Did you watch it? I watched it. I watched the whole game, yeah. I watched I, it, yep. I, it doesn't have the same effect, I think, from a, a, a national kind of basis but nice sweaters it's still it's still it is quite the spectacle i mean the, locally 
Yeah. It, it works still. I wonder if they focused a lot of the advertising locally, because I don't feel like we hear about these outdoor games much till they come up. But there, it did very well. Love the Bruins coming in and the Red Sox, old-timey <laughs> gear. Oh, it's cool. A little, a little cheesy. Catch. Agree. It's, it's cool, Completely corny. The, the, but it's the, Fenway. The Bobby Orr the the or shooting the puck to the, the, the catcher for a little cheesy. Corny. Corny. She got it airborne. Yeah. And they, and they all wore... <laughs> They wore Pittsburgh Pirates jerseys and they didn't even play in it. They, that? they the the Penguins wore Pirates jerseys to come in. Yeah, and they didn't even coordinate with the Red Sox. They both just did it. Unknowingly. Oh, really? Yes, they did it unknowingly. That's cool. Yeah. Really? Yes. Oh, I thought. Yeah. You know, I maybe maybe I would have preferred the Red Sox gear were it not the like 1920s old timey version. Just well, uh, they some wanted, Sox gear, and they're carrying the bat with the glove. That, that was like, a bit like is, Field of Dreams. Come on, that's all right. That's cool. By the way, I always rip the NHL for like the music and the performance. You know, the black keys of the Boston Pops thought that worked. I thought the jerseys were cool. It's a cool yeah. setting. Like, cool, good game. Bruins I, win. I'm having a, a success. I'm having. A couple more gripes than I thought I would. The jerseys for the Penguins were horrible. No. Horrible. I'm not a big P guy. I didn't like the logo. They I don't like, like the P. They yeah. look like Purdue. I thought it was Purdue's hockey team, the college in the States from Indiana. It looked yeah, like maybe Purdue. Maybe the league gave you more credit for assuming you'd know what P stood for. I know what they said. And the helmet looked off with the jersey, and it was meshing with the Bruins' shoulders. It was not aesthetically pleasing to me. Bruins' jerseys were nice. Yeah, but I, not minus the fan. meth bear logo. Oh, I like that the, logo. as they call it there in Boston. Oh, I like that logo. So, uh, yeah. And then the sh- the, sh- the shadows bother me too. Yeah. Yeah. What is it? I just say? find it a little hard on. Uh, it's only the back half of the game, but it it it's not perfect, right? Like, the lighting's yeah. not perfect. <laughs> I like I just. It. It's like every game. It's at so Mullet hard, Arena. though. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. It's just like you're not going to get everything. Great. The weather worked it, okay. It was five like it, degrees or it's, something. It's enough to pull it off. Yeah. There's no question. Yeah. Seattle Vegas is an outdoor game. It's pretty sweet. I think that's awesome. Like you, there are cash cow teams, and there's all these new fans are going to be racing to spend money. I don't know how many uh, have now been played out. It must be in the 30s. Or the 40s. Well, the Winter Classic is the once a year, but the Heritage Classic is really I went to that one. To, yeah. I went the to the original series. one. They remember stadium they did those, those, yeah. those yeah. weird ones. So, so, yeah, sure. 30 outdoor games or whatever it's and, been. And, uh, Lake Tahoe, first place. Awesome. Has any been canceled? Or uh, was one postponed to the next day because of weather? Yeah, no, Lake Tahoe. Was Tahoe postponed they delayed one day? And, and they played, played it later at midnight. in the night. They played it like midnight. Yeah, but it's quite remarkable that that one hasn't been like just hurricane weather exactly. or whatever. Yeah, no, right? Right, or, right. Or, the most weather was the first one in Buffalo in the snow globe game where Sidney Crosby scores yeah. the shootout to win it, which I mean, unbelievable big marketing house, success. The big house was a lot of what weather. What a juice. shovel yeah. that thing was by the time we finished putting <laughs> it between Ryan Miller's wasn't exactly, legs. It wasn't exactly a pretty goal. <laughs> yeah. I think he hit the puck into a little mini uh, snowbank. Shot an igloo in. It wasn't yeah. at minus like 20 in Edmonton. But it was yes, the Edmonton one is the coldest one on record, I think. That's the first one. That was the Heritage Classic in 2003. And I think so, they're doing that next year as well, are they not? Battle of Alberta. Like, what are the Alberta. odds it's going to rain heavily in Seattle next year? That's what I was going to say. Like, I doesn't mean, it rain every good. day? Yeah. They get like 90 sunny days a year or something, don't they? Well, they better pick right. They'll be looking at the trends. The Farmer's Almanac. They'll figure it out. Dan Craig, superhero. Um, I didn't plan to bring this up, but I saw it today. Hold uh, on. I'm not done on the outdoor. Oh, let me have it. All right. Um... 
just the Boston Bruins here, guys. Like, probably should have lost in the outdoor game. Then wasn't going well, and then same thing that we've seen all season long. They just hang in there, hang in there, and then Jake DeBrusque, the hero with two goals. Should have traded him. But are there any holes right now in the Boston Bruins? Age. You know, can they continue to lean on Krejci, Bergeron, Marchand? You know, the most important players on the team are older. Are they more susceptible to wearing down then? Well, you look at John Tavares. Happens. So didn't, didn't Bergeron get two new hips? I mean, yeah, he's probably bionic. And he's a cyborg. Like, <laughs> that's the time that they should have been losing at the beginning of the year. Yep, in theory. And they never lost. That was their moment of getting out of the gate slow, and now they're too old and too this and too that. Yeah, what a treat for the Leafs. They. God forbid they happen to get by the, you know, three-time Stanley Cup finalist uh, Tampa Bay Lightning who they're locked into play in the first round. They get to play the Boston Bruins <laughs> in the second round. What a great layout, Gary. Thanks. You know that joke. Craig Smith is starting to slow down. Felino, their fourth line is Craig Smith, Thomas Noshik, Nick Felino. It's a good fourth line. Yeah, it's better than Leafs. Uh, Nick Felino <laughs> is just... That's, that's how you would have liked to re-sign Nick Felino. Yeah, that version. That version. Derek Forbort, Connor Clifton he, as a third pair. They, Nick Foligno should have been established as a great bottom six guy when they traded for him. Unfortunately, you know, that's his place right now. In, in this part of his career, he is a perfect fit. I love him in Boston right now. If the Leafs right are spending $3 million on a fourth-line left winger, you wouldn't love it. That's a fair assessment from Borneo. Yeah. And he's very good. He is very good. And the reason they can do that is because they have such great yeah. contracts to their stars. Yes. Bergeron and yeah. those guys make but it a joke. Take a look Jeez. at the last few years, though. If you want those Nick Felinos or the, uh, the, the, the Coleman's or the Goudreau's, you got to pay a mm-hmm. first rounder for those guys, you know, as, as, well, I shouldn't say uh, it, it all depends on their contract situation, too. If it's a rental or if they've got term, yeah. that has a lot to do with whether or not it's a legit first rounder. I just looking at this Boston Bruins team, I feel like one of the most important players on their team, like right at the top is Hampus Lindholm. You know, like I, I feel like without... Yeah, he changed. He changed. He gives them two yes. pairs that are really good, like... McAvoy and Grizzlick. Grizzlick is he gets help from McAvoy, and then Lindholm and Carlo together is really good. That's a great pair. Carlo's a I think great defensive yeah. defenseman. And you credit the Boston Bruins for going to get Lindholm because a lot of a lot of GMs slept on that, mm-hmm. and I don't think that there was much of a of a situation where you know you had to outprice anybody to to get him or there was a. A bidding war on them. Right. Nope. They uh, <laughs> they did right? well in that one. Uh, other thing I want to ask you about uh, before we move on today is Jacob Verana. So he goes to the player assistance program, um, you know, spends some time there, plays three games in the American League, is available, was put on waivers today for anyone to have him if they can. He's got half a year left on this year and then one more season. He makes $5 million bucks a year, 5.25, I think. Wonder if anyone would have any real interest in a guy like Verana who can create, can score. I'm surprised Detroit doesn't Okay, let's him. find teams for him right now. Okay. okay, and let's start with the one right here in Toronto. 
5.25. No. Oh. But can you get Steve Eiserman to eat 2 million of it? Great question. That's a really good question. I think they would do that because it's only for this year and next. You don't think they're in their cup window next yeah. year. Could they take a first, like an asset, not a first, but like an asset? It would be oh, a first. I would think it would be a, if a they second, uh, second for yeah. sure, which is a very expensive Maybe. Um, thing to do. Yeah. Like think about, we'll go just go back to Carolina taking uh, uh, Marlowe. His, his six million cost you first rounder, cost you mm. Seth Jarvis, mm-hmm. just to take him off your hands. So that's that's what you're dealing with. And we just listened to Doug Armstrong talk about having a third party in there, right, to broker deals. Mm-hmm. That that crap's expensive. Brokering deals is expensive yep. because it's what's in it for me. You can't get this guy without me. So let's keep that in mind when you throw me a first or second rounder. Yeah, like Verana has had a couple seasons. So he had 25 goals um, in 2019. The year he had another year with about 25 goals or a pace to be higher than that. Um, you know, 50 points, yes. 50, 60 point guy. Uh, where else? 26 years old, left shot, left winger. Jersey. Jersey's interesting. Do they need more skilly guys, though? I feel like they need more grit. I don't feel like they need more. Jacob Branas. Although I know they have some my boy Tyler Dello's there and he's a number runner guy. I bet I bet Branna has good numbers. Just for for me, he's not big. I think he's five eleven, six feet. Sounds right. Six, six foot one ninety. Yeah. Uh, no, 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 no. Too need big. <laughs> need big. <laughs> six two Brannis solves your problems. Six two, he six three. Solves your problems. Who's problems? Toronto. Toronto. You're immediately a better team with him in the left wing. I would yeah, I know you're better. But now you run into the Matthew Nyes conundrum where you got oh, Nyes. Oh, and what oh, we you... must protect the spot for the chosen one. <laughs> there is. He exists. Better protect the spot. Oh. Are you willing? To trade an asset are you... and then give Nyes the spot? Are you willing to gamble that this guy's going to come in and, and play 12, 14 minutes a night? Brana? No, Nyes. Nyes. I'm not. No chance. That is on a team that has to win now. It's an insane decision to make. Big ask. It's a big you ask. Roll the dice, baby. I got. It doesn't cost anything. So we're that's t- nice. I gotta bring. I gotta bring this up before I go. Go. Okay. Go. Uh, Yarmer Yager has seven points in eight games, and Jackie is top tier, <laughs> playing for the team he owns. <laughs> he can kick rocks. Love yeah. Yager. Great. That's insane. I don't care. It's the. That's yeah, impressive. They're in the they're in last place. This team stinks. Uh, Cladno, they're not very good. But he got a goal today or tonight or whatever. Uh, set up by Thomas Placanitz, who plays on the team as well. Does he really? Yeah. Is he wearing his turtleneck? Oh yeah. Is he wearing his goatee? Uh, oh oh yeah. He looks exactly <laughs> the same. <laughs> Leafs legend Thomas Placanitz setting up Yarmy that That's pretty cool, eh? You own the team, and you know, just check go- in when you need. Uh, I'm up next shift. And no joke, is he fifty? Five zero. Oh, he's yeah, fifty. No, he's fifty. Yeah, he's fifty years old. And the goal is such a classic, like he uses his ass, gets the front of the net, tips one in backhand, top corner. Yeah. Unbelievable. Were you asking if, if he should play in the National League for him? No. No, okay. No, okay. no, no. I'm just saying. Okay, awesome. because that's how I, I was the, the, I thought. All I remember is nice we play 
Pittsburgh and Brian Leach, who's one of the best defensemen in modern day history, is like this guy gives me nightmares. Oh, just, just his ass comes out. And out his ass once his ass comes out, he goes, I can't get the puck. No. And you're like getting backed in, like Michael Jordan starting to lean on he you. He posts you up. Oh, he will post up. He's the, the postiest NHL player I think he's ever played. So yeah, that's it's just amazing to me that he's still playing at a, in any league at a top level. You know what's impressive to me about it is you have to keep working out all the time. Like, I know he's a workout fanatic. Oh, yeah, that's like a big thing with him. Oh, you know, works out at 2 a.m., whatever he did here. But it's, you know, I the second I was done playing at like 27, I was like, oh, no more Maybe he's playing because he just needs the money. Well, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's put a couple shekels down on some uh, over-under bets. <laughs> no question. <laughs> no question. Wow. Doesn't hurt attendance when he's in the lineup, I'm guessing. Uh, can we get somebody to do that uh, 30, uh, 30 by 30? 30 for 30, yeah. 30 for 30? I would love to. Or a documentary on There's a that guy's. That would be really fun to watch. <laughs> All right, just like that, two hours. Amen. Coming on. Craig Simpson, our thanks to him, and general manager of the St. Louis Blues, Doug Armstrong. Shout out to the Blues and the GM. They, uh, they never hide, right? Nope. Awesome. They show up. And uh, looking forward to the game tonight. Sportsnet Ontario. Watch it, and then tune in tomorrow. We'll be right here to break it all down. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Sammy McKee. Have a great night, everybody. Stay safe.